uh, as we get back into our message today, uh, our series, Eats with Sinners, today our ingredient is mercy, mercy. We sang, saw, sang a, a little bit about grace in both of the songs we sang today. Uh, we talked about grace. What, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Most of us know uh, that. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it, they're similar, but they're different. You know, grace is receiving something, usually something good, uh, that we do not deserve. Uh, as far as spiritually goes, that's, uh, you know, our salvation, our forgiveness of our sins. But we can think of it in everyday form, like, uh, you know, you have five-day grace period. We actually call it grace period for paying your, bill, your utility bill. Uh, so you can put it off a little bit if, you, if you're one of those kind of people uh, without penalty. Um, so grace is, is receiving something, usually something good, that we do not deserve. Mercy is similar, but uh, it is not receiving something. So grace is receiving something. Mercy is not receiving something, usually bad, that we do deserve. Like when we get a speeding ticket, when, um, when Steve Dell pulls us over, uh, and, uh, and we were speeding, but he decides to give us a warning instead of, of the ticket that we deserve. So that's mercy. Uh, Jackie tells the story of an incident that took place uh, years, years ago between her and our oldest son, Chris. Uh, Chris had done something that usually resulted in some kind of punishment. He, he broke uh, an understood rule of our household, and, and he knew what the punishment would be if he got caught doing whatever he did. Uh, well, he got caught. And instead of giving him the expected punishment, Jackie decided that she was going to teach Chris a lesson about mercy. She and Chris had a conversation uh, where Chris was reminded of the punishment, of the usual punishment uh, of this particular offense. He understood, and he nervously awaited the punishment to begin. But then Jackie surprised Chris and told him that instead she was going to just give him a warning and let him off. Uh, she surprised him with mercy. This is something you deserve, but I'm not going to give it to you. Uh, and she told him, this is mercy, and it's the same thing that God gives us when we break his rules. We don't get what we deserve. God gives us mercy by not giving us what we deserve. Now, did Chris learn a lesson from that? Uh, well, we hope that he did. Jackie couldn't remember what the, the particular um, rule was that he broke or uh, what the punishment would have been, but she just remembers having that conversation with him. Uh, so did it work? You know, Well, today, Jack, uh, Chris is a fine young man. Uh, with, with, he's a good father and a husband and a, a pastor, and, and uh, hopefully uh, part of that is a result of some of the lessons that his mom taught him when he was growing up, like, like that lesson. Mercy. One of my favorite movies is Taken. How many of y'all like that movie? Uh, it's a great revenge movie. I love revenge movies. I love Charles Bronson movies uh, because there's a lot of those are revenge movies where the get, bad guy gets it. You know, uh, it's the it's the story. Uh, the, Taken is the story of a young teenage girl who, on a trip 
with her friend to Paris, is kidnapped by this guy who is a part of a, um, a, a sex slave trade. Uh, they kidnap young girls, they get them addicted to heroin, and then they sell them as sex slaves to the highest bidder. Um, and this is something that really happens in the world today, even more now than, than a few years ago. Uh, well, this young daughter's dad, played by tough guy Liam Neeson, uh, uh, is a retired special forces guy who, who is used to going into hostile territory and just killing bad guys. That's what he did for a living for many years. When he discovered that his daughter has been kidnapped and by whom, he jumps on a private plane. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just jump on a private plane, you know, anytime you want to and go to Europe? Uh, he flies to Paris and he begins searching for these villains who have taken his daughter. Uh, because of his past experience, it doesn't take him long to find these guys these bad guys. Uh, one by one, he confronts them. Uh, one by one, he finds these kidnappers, uh, these human traffickers, these people who had taken his daughter and are going to sell her to the highest bidder. Uh, one of them, he electrocutes. That was my favorite part in the movie. Uh, he, uh, he got it really good. Uh, <laughs> The ringleader, who uh, is the guy who organizes, I mean, is, is his business. He's the one that orders it done and then sells the, the girls. Uh, just before uh, the dad shoots him, <laughs> uh, the, the man says, it's not personal, it's business. And the dad says, well, it's personal to me, and takes him out. You know, this was a fictional story, but it depicts, as I said, real life. I mean, it, it's hard to believe that there are evil people in this world that actually do this kind of stuff. Um, and, and as I watched this movie, uh, my anger against such evil people, um, when I imagined them doing that to someone I loved, boy, uh, when, when, when those guys got it, I was just pumping my fist, yes, yes, give it to them, give it to them. Why was I so pleased with that? Well, because that is what they deserved, right? Isn't it? Well, probably so. I think we'd probably agree that that's what they deserve. But is it right for me, as a follower of Jesus, to want to seek revenge and then cheer when it happens? Is that right? Well, you know... Funny thing about Jesus, some of his lessons are really hard. <laughs> we don't like them. Uh, and this is one of them. This is one of them. When it comes to revenge, um, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 39 through 41, and then verse 44, uh, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And then verse 44, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How many, just, how many of y'all just love that, that passage? Isn't that, isn't that a great passage? Aren't we all eager to just obey that the first chance we get? 
How many of us read uh, verses like that and we think, man, Jesus, I mean, that is so unreasonable, isn't it? To, to tell us to do that kind of thing. I mean, to, to turn the other cheek after somebody hits me and I just got to let them hit me again. Uh, to, to pray for that person that just hit me. You know, Jesus, did you see what she did to me? Uh, do, do you understand uh, what, what he took from me, the pain that he caused in my life? And you want me, Jesus, to pray for them? You expect me to love them? <laughs> that's asking a lot, Jesus. Man, that's asking a lot. And it is asking a lot. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. It's not an easy thing to do. But remember, and this is true about everything Jesus tells us, Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he didn't do, that he didn't do himself. Jesus, think about this, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, what did he do? He asked God to forgive the Roman soldiers who were beating him and crucifying him and killing him. I mean, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive these people that just beat me almost to death and nailed me to this cross. Forgive them. He was asking God to have mercy on them. Don't give them what they deserve, which is electrocution. <laughs> to not give them what they deserve. Man, that's a difficult thing to do. It was difficult for Jesus, I'm sure. And it is what God calls you and me to do, too. To show mercy. Mercy is the next key ingredient in our effort to reach people who are far from God and who need God's grace. God's mercy. Because grace and mercy are two different things, but they kind of go together. They kind of go together. And you... In order to be saved, we've got to have both grace and mercy because they kind of go together. They absolutely go together. So let's add this ingredient to our list of ingredients in our, in our reach out to others stew, our intentional relationship stew. Integrity, uh, being real, accessibility, removing barriers, grace, understand I'm a sinner too, faith, trusting God to be with us as we seek these intentional relationships, Intimacy, being willing to develop close friendships with people who are far from God. Tolerance, tolerating sinners, not their sin, but sinners. Resolve, refusing to quit until we reach that goal of sharing Christ with them. Uh, urgency, last week. Jesus' return is closer than it's ever been before. Time is running out for people that we know in our life who don't know Christ. And today, mercy. Deciding to leave revenge and punishment in God's hand and giving people what they do not deserve. What they do not deserve. One of the best known parables that Jesus told was the one that we call the Good Samaritan. Uh, we've all heard of that. We've heard of it, of course. But you know what? Just about everybody in the world probably, or at least in America, has heard that that story before. E even, or that term, you know, we have Good Samaritan laws. Uh, in our society, uh, that's if you did CPR on a person and you broke their ribs and they died, uh, or, or maybe they didn't die but you broke their ribs, uh, Good Samaritan law would protect you. So, that, you, you know, you were trying to save their life. So um, you can't be prosecuted for that. Um, 
The story of Jesus, uh, the Good Samaritan, is found in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 2037. Uh, one day, this expert in the law, uh, this Bible scholar, is talking to Jesus. Now, these guys didn't like Jesus, and, and they often tried to test him to see if they could trip him up because they wanted to, 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 um, to show everybody, you know, he's not such a great guy. Um, these legalistic religious leaders... Uh, didn't like Jesus because he was treading on their territory. They were supposed to be the leaders, uh, uh, the spiritual leaders, not him. Um, they were the Bible experts, not Jesus. So they were constantly looking for ways to trip him up. So this Bible expert asked Jesus this question, Luke 10, 25. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, did you really want to know that or were they trying to trip him up? Maybe a little of both. So Jesus wisely turns it right back on him like he often did, and he asks him a question. Um, verse 26, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? You tell me. Not realizing that this guy, this scholar, was on the way to learning that Jesus is the greatest biblical scholar in all of history. I mean, he's the author of Scripture, right? Um, He's the, 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 the man who, who, who invented it all or, or created it all. This scholar uh, gives the patent answer that any good Jew would give to that question. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, Levit Leviticus 19, 18. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That was understood as, as maybe even in, in the, among the Old Testament people that that was the greatest commandment. Jesus later called those two the greatest commandments that, that summarizes all the commandments. So when he said that, Jesus basically said to the guy, okay, good answer, good answer. Now, go and do that. Go love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Off with you. Go. But here, here's where it gets a little dicey for this biblical scholar. Uh, if he's actually going to obey those two commandments, love God, love your neighbor. You know, being successful at loving your neighbor depends on, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Uh, the scholar had an idea of who he thought and who he had always been taught his neighbor was, but he make sure, wants to make sure he gets it right. Or maybe he's trying to still trip Jesus up. And so he asked in verse 29, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Now the door is open wide for this lesson that Jesus wanted to teach him and you and me today. Yeah, yeah. Who is your neighbor? Let's see if we can figure that out. So he tells the famous story of the Good Samaritan, uh, Luke 10, 30 through 36. Let's just read that story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to... Wait a minute. 
Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Then Jesus asked the scholar, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? This man is robbed. He's beaten to the point of, of being incapacitated, just laying there bleeding. Um, this man probably is a Jew, going from Jerusalem to Jericho. We're, we're, doesn't say he's a Jew, but we're assuming he's a Jew. Two men come along, and they pass by this man who's naked. He's unconscious. He's bleeding on the side of the road. Both of these men who came by and passed by were Jews. And they weren't just Jews, they were religious guys. Uh, the first one was a priest. Uh, he was the person that's in charge of temple worship back in Jerusalem. Um, you might consider him like a modern-day preacher or pastor. The second guy is a Levite. He's a person that would be in charge of maintaining the temple, like a modern-day deacon or a ministry leader. Both of these men were religious men who probably uh, were seen by the people in their community as, as, as close to God. Oh, there's, there's rabbi so-and-so or priest so-so or, or uh, Levite so-and-so. Yeah, they're, 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 they're godly men. Yet, both of them, for whatever reason, decided that they would not help this man, and they walked past him. Now, if he was a Jew, then their refusal to help him wasn't because he was one of those guys. Oh, I don't help those kind of people. Uh, so it wasn't that problem. Um, but why? Why did they walk by? Maybe it was too much trouble. Uh, maybe he was dirty and bloody, and they didn't want to get their, their clothes dirty, or, or get themselves or hands dirty. Maybe it was too expensive. They knew that was going to cost him a lot of money. It did. It did the Samaritan guy. Uh, it was just going to take too much time. You know, I got an appointment. I got to be somewhere. Uh, maybe they just didn't care about this poor man. For whatever reason, they passed by on the other side. You know, he'll probably die anyway. And besides, no one will know that I passed by. They won't know I didn't help. No one will ever know uh, that I'm not who I claim to be, someone who's close to God. But then a Samaritan man came by. Now, Samaritans and Jews hated each other, generally. They hated each other. Uh, this, this hatred goes back centuries, uh, back, back many years before Jews in that area began to intermarry with Assyrians. Uh, and so they became sort of half-breed Jews. Uh, they worshiped God but they worshipped him a little differently than the Jews and in a different place. Uh, and so because of this racial difference, what became a racial difference and a cultural difference, um, this centuries-old feud was still going strong in Jesus' day. Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans and vice versa. So you're dealing with that, with, with that dynamic. Um, and, and here's where the story gets interesting for this Bible scholar who's trying to trick Jesus. Uh, who's talking to Jesus. Jesus tells him that, that while two Jews 
so people that this scholar would agree with and, and sympathize with failed to help this Jew. But this Samaritan, this man who was supposed to hate Jews, maybe because of the way they treated Samaritans, stopped and assisted the man. But he didn't just stop and say, hey, dude, you all right? You're, you okay? No, he, man, he went all out. He, he dressed his wounds. He put him on his donkey. He carried him to an inn. He took care of him as long as he could at the inn. And then when he had to leave, he, he asked the innkeeper, you take care of him and I'll come back and I'll pay any expenses that you have. Don't worry about it. I got this. Man, what a great guy. Wouldn't you love if you fell into a situation like that? Wouldn't you love to have a guy like that come along to help you? No matter who they were, would you say, oh, I don't want you to help me because you're one of those people? No, if you were in a desperate situation like this, maybe dying, I mean, you, you would love to have anybody's help. I've often wondered how the injured man felt about Samaritans after that. May, did his attitude change towards them? Um, uh, and how he felt about hypocritical Jews, if he was unconscious, maybe he didn't know that the two guys passed by. But how he might have felt about his fellow Jews who claimed they loved God, but just left him laying there. So after telling the story, Jesus asked the scholar, so which one of these guys was a neighbor to the man who was robbed? Well, the answer is obvious, right? The answer is obvious, um, but this is not the question that the scholar expected. The, the scholar said, well, who's my neighbor? Who should I consider to be my neighbor? He wasn't expecting, he wasn't looking for who could be a neighbor to me, but he could not deny who the neighbor was. You know, he, he could have, but it was obvious, so he had to give the right answer. Of course, it was the Samaritan. Verse 37, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. <laughs> Jesus told him, well, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. Meaning, your neighbor is even Samaritans. Somebody that you're supposed to hate. You know, the Samaritan could have easily justified not helping this man. You know, he could have thought, that, you know, this guy would have never helped me if I was laying there, uh, if I was the injured one. He deserves to lay there and die for the way he's probably treated my people. And probably many Samaritans would have felt the same way. Uh, uh, would, have, would have actually done it that way. But this man, this man didn't. He showed mercy to this injured Jew. There was something in him that saw past the hate, saw past the fact that the feud that had been going on between his people. He saw a fellow human being who was suffering, and he did the godly thing and showed mercy. The Samaritans were religious people too, as the Jews were, but the Samaritan looked from the heart rather than just being legalistic and following the tradition of the people. You know, as we encounter people in our lives, and, and, and we do every day, it's tempting to look at an individual and measure them uh, by what we think they deserve. What we think they deserve. And of course, you know, some, some uh, 
people in our lives, it's easy to figure out what they deserve. Our family members, right, they, they deserve our love, right? Because they're family. Even if we don't really like them, <laughs> uh, we still got to love them. And we do love them. We shake our head and we go, ah, but he's family. So I, I, I love him. And, uh, naturally, we're going to reach out to our friends that we care about, that we enjoy being with. We're going to love them. That's not a problem. It's not a problem to love our friends. People in our church, right? You know, they're our spiritual family. So, of course, we're going to reach out and love them. We share the same faith. So that's not a problem. But then there's other people in our lives that we might be tempted to hesitate to love. You know that nosy coworker that's always in everybody's business, and we all roll our eyes when he comes in. <sighs> Easy to love them? Mm, maybe not. How about our boss who seems to only care about the bottom line, but not his employees, and he's always dumping on you? How about that drug addict who? You know, they just should have known better than to even try that, that cocaine that first time. Where, where, was it, where were they thinking? How about the arrogant guy at the gym that, that does like I used to do when I went to the gym, that's always looking at himself in the mirror, you know, you know and so arrogant? Uh, <laughs> uh, how about that kid with the nose rings and the tattoos? I was somewhere, I'm not going to, can't remember where. But the, the, the clerk had, I mean, it looked like a pin cushion. I mean, just everywhere. I'm going, Ugh. you know, that's got to be uncomfortable. Uh, how about that lady with the green hair? You know, the, the, the guy at work that's got that foul mouth, you know. Do, do they deserve my time and my energy? I mean, look at them, for goodness sakes. They're so different from me. Maybe somebody else can be their friend. Ah, I, I, they don't deserve my time and energy. But you know what? Jesus didn't care who you were. He didn't care where you came from. He didn't care what color your hair was or what you had pierced through your nose and your lips. Um, Jesus didn't care what bad habits you had, what sins you had committed in your life or were committing. Jesus was always ready to show anyone mercy who came to him. So, as Aaron Chambers said in his book, Eats with Sinners, as we eat with sinners, we must flavor each meal with mercy. Leave the judgment at home. Give wrath a night off. Tell hypocrisy. You've made other plans. Mercy is on the menu tonight. It's what everyone deserves, and you want people to get what they deserve, right? Let's pray. Lord, showing mercy is difficult sometimes. Showing grace and mercy is so difficult sometimes. Um, because of our selfishness, because of our pride, because of the way people behave and the sin that's in their life and the way they treat us and treat other people. And we look at them and we think, wow, they just don't deserve my time and my energy. But God's not worried about what people deserve. He's worried about saving their soul. 
And the only way that some people are ever going to change is if they find your son Jesus and they experience your grace, for experience your mercy. And Lord, sometimes the only way that they're ever going to experience those two things is if we show it to them first. So Lord, help us to, to indeed leave the judgment behind, leave the revenge behind, uh, leave the, the wrath behind, and just see the person like Jesus saw them as a precious soul who's far from God. And the reason they behave the way they do is because they're far from God. So help us to see them as far from God and someone who needs God's grace and mercy. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you, you need God's mercy, you don't deserve it, and neither do I, but God's more than willing to give it to you. Facebook, same thing. Uh, let's get together and talk about it where you need to go, what you need to do to receive God's grace and mercy. You could come forward today and you could proclaim that Jesus is your Savior. You could decide, I'm going to turn my life over to God and stop living the way I've been living, get rid of those bad habits that I have, be baptized into Christ, receive the forgiveness of your sins, which includes grace and mercy. And then the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. If you need to do that, this morning. Won't you come as we sing our closing song?